Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm Kevin. I did it. I did it, Kevin. I didn't mess up. Finally. The pressure's on because we have a guest this week. Nani? Hi, I'm Zach from one of the other podcasts. Yeah. Oh, actually, both of them. Yeah, you might recognize Zach from It's a Gundam or Last Time on Video Games or Last Time on Gundam Games, the podcast that does not exist, where we play probably just Journey to Jaburo and Gundam Seed Never Ending Tomorrow. I think that's what that game is Wouldn't called. Gundam Fighters fall into that? Gundam Fighters is not a game. You mean Battle Assault? That one. Gundam Fighters is a great game that doesn't exist, and I would or, like it. No, I was Gundam thinking of Gundam Versus. I know, because that's a good video game, so we wouldn't be allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Dynasty Wars Gundam? Oh, yeah. that's that There fits. you go. And it's 900 sequels now? I think it's only like six. All right. Speaking of a lot, we have a big issue of Shonen Jump to get into. But before we do that, Zach, tell me about your history reading manga. Because I feel like if we had met later in life, you would be my anime friend instead of Kevin. But we met when we did, so you will never be that in my mind, <laughs> no matter how much anime or busts of anime girls you buy. <laughs> I actually have only limited experience with manga. I've read a few. Actually, uh, another box set came in today. I was expecting that later this week. but So I have the full box set of Claymore now. But I've only ever actually read two of them cover to cover, but I've dabbled in a few other series. To be fair, I've only ever read Naruto cover to cover, and I would not say Naruto is my favorite manga. I don't even know if it's top ten. Yeah, the only ones I've actually read is like all the way through a Helsing and Inuyasha, which that happened a long time ago, and I had a lot more time. All right, so what did you think of this week's issue of Shonen Jump? Uh, uh I'm confused. Come on, there had to be one story that wasn't confusing. Maybe... Well, I mean, I, I Boruto wasn't that confusing. I, I actually understood a fair bit of them. It was just the few that were confusing. I was just like scratching my head through the entire time I was reading it, thinking, you know, what, what exactly is going on, and why didn't I try? Why, why didn't we just wait a week so I didn't have to deal with this? Okay, well, let's go into it then. Starting with the cover story, which is the Promised Neverland chapter one hundred thirteen, the King of Paradise. So, Kevin, you've been quiet. What did you think of this chapter? I'm still confused on who those people are. Oh, you mean the random new guys we get this I don't even know if they're new. I don't know if they're like, we're seeing a weird flashback of people that are already dead. Like, that was almost the vibe I got from it was I was like, oh, this is Mr. Minerva. It's like, isn't isn't Mr. Minerva dead? Isn't, isn't Isn't that what's going on? So are we seeing like a flashback of him and some other escaped orphans? dealing with demons and then we're gonna find out later that it was like haha they're actually all gone already i don't often read my notes but i only have one note for this entire chapter which is minerva is a cult leader with a bunch of unstable illiterate anime protagonists on his side yeah. i don't even know if i'd call them protagonists though there's a harley quinn-esque girl with a bat wrapped in barbed wire and she's the one who stood out for me yep the kind of butler looking dude is actually pretty loquacious like, he's the one that's like, can we please just stop saying I'm pissed and come up with different words? Like, he's the one proposing all those words before Minerva explains what, I don't remember, but it's one of the words he, like, he gives the definition for. So, Minerva and his gang of murder hobos wander into what I guess is a orphanage? Where are they calling this? I can't remember. Farms. Farm. I thought they had another name, but yes, farm. And he's like, oh, all these people are screwed. Let's kill them all because that's better than letting them be eaten. Well, this one is a mass production facility, so there are literally just a bunch of people, like, hooked up to tubes. 
And they're like, oh, we're going to take them with us. And Minerva's like, if we take the tubes out of them, they die. So we can't really take them out. So then we see Minerva giving a speech to a whole bunch of children. Yes. And then we find out that the kids have a book that I guess they found earlier. Yeah, they've had that for a while. That was how they've been the code thing. They figured that out before they escaped the initial farm, Gracefield. So they look at the new code and the message that Lucas gave them and decide to go to the desert. Yeah, well, it's one of those book keys. So the code uses the book as a key. So they've had to use it a couple of times now to figure stuff out. And that's where that chapter ends. Yep. Which was brief and interesting. Stellar place to start. I was <laughs> so confused. Yeah, I was confused and I've read, I don't know, 10 chapters now? What episode are we on? Eight? Yeah, listen, I was confused and I've read all of the chapters, so you're not the only one. Well, that makes me happy. Yeah. So speaking of one, this is the worst transition I've ever done, and that is a contest. Next is One Piece, chapter 925, Absence. Uh, which is also kind of a weird chapter, showing a whole bunch of side characters we haven't seen. One character in, I think, literally 10 years. Yep. And we also don't get an answer to the cliffhanger that they posed at the end of the last chapter, which is slightly disappointing. I think that's okay, because it's a strong enough cliffhanger that I'm still wondering about it after yeah, a like, week off and a week where we don't really see what's going on with Luffy at all. Yeah, that's that's fine. Like I said, it was just slightly disappointing that we didn't get that at all. I love Perona. She's like my favorite random-ass henchman in this entire series, which has a ton of them. So yep. I've been really hoping she would come back and not just hang out with Mihawk off screen the entire series. So I'm happy she's here, even if I don't know what she's going to do, if anything. Yep. So this issue starts with Perona and Mihawk hanging out and Perona reading the news and finding out Gecko Moria is apparently attacking Blackbeard. Yes. Who is a character from an arc 10 years ago. Yep. It has been quite a while. Although he was at the battle for Mainford. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Because all the Shibukai got summoned there, so he was there. I thought he had been kicked out of the Shibukai before that, but maybe I think I'm it was wrong. right after that, because he was there, briefly. He didn't do a whole lot, much like the rest of the Shibukai. Like, they were like, we're here! And there's, like, some cool, you know, Mihawk doing stuff. And Don Quixote laughs, because that's what Don Quixote did until he became a main villain. Yeah. I think we saw a bit of his, like, he was getting people to turn on one another. Anyway. So yeah, it's still been quite a while since we've seen Moria. Anyway, Blackbeard's like, hey, Moria, stop killing my dudes. We should hang out and like, I don't know, watch this TV coverage of the Carnage. We don't have TV in this universe, but that's the vibe I'm giving off. Yep. We also find out that the Blackbeard pirates have figured out a way to steal people's devil fruit powers. Which is a very important plot point. Yeah, it wasn't just like a one-time thing that they did with Newgate. Yeah. And I also thought that might be specifically Teach's power, is that he might have found a way using his Devil Fruit power to do that. It's because he wanted a specific one, you know? It's Yeah, he was specifically going for that power. So I think it might be that in combination with something else. Like, it's not just he can steal powers. It's like using his Devil Fruit power and maybe like his doctor buddy, they figured out a way to steal Devil Fruit abilities. Because they've given the ex-prison guard captain, I think. Absalom, I think is his name. His invisibility quirk. Or quirk. Devil fruit power. <laughs> Wrong series on the quirk. Yep. 
Yeah, I actually really like this chapter because the thing I really like about One Piece is the way it'll pull out a character from literally 10 years ago and be like, hey, they didn't just like wander off to never be seen again. Yeah, they're going to be important now. Yeah, I like that as well, especially because it was like, oh, hey, you remember Absalom? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Why? Why do I remember him? But I do. Yeah, that's great. I also like Mihawk and Perona arguing at yep. the start. Well, and I like he's constantly been cold to her like any of the times we've seen them. And then she's finally like, all right, I'm leaving. Okay, have a nice trip. What? N- you can't be nice to me now at the end. Why not? I had no idea who anybody was because I've only tangentially associated with One Piece. So I was like, I don't know who any of you people are. Yeah, we had a discussion like this earlier about trying to get somebody into One Piece after 900 chapters and being like, listen, okay, there's just there's too much stuff to explain. I also really do like that we get a Wano Act 2 when we cut back to the One Piece crew. I guess the Straw Hats, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And it's imploded with a babong like Japanese-style music cue. Well, yeah, because they literally set it up like a play. They yes. had the one, it was like a, I think it was just a woman wearing like a fox mask. And then they had the curtains draw. And yeah. I was like, I thought that was really cool. I thought it was a very nice touch. Yeah. Any thoughts on One Piece, Zach, besides you don't know who anyone is? Like I said, I've tangentially been associated with it because you guys are big fans. But I literally had no idea who anybody was in the first chapter. Like You guys are talking about Mihawk and Corona. Yes. Yep. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know who any of you, I don't know who you are. Like, I, I I, don't know why this is a big deal. I got the argument. I thought the argument was kind of funny, but I didn't have any context. So, yep. All right. So speaking of context, next we have the comic volume seven, the finale of the series. Yep. I liked it. For what it's worth, I really liked it. I thought it was a really disappointing conclusion, actually. So same. I was it kind of like all came out of nowhere. I feel like a lot does go on for sure. And it is kind of an interesting mystery. But like we said about last week's issue, it kind of there's no way to figure out this is what was going on. And that's always a little disappointing in a mystery. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Maybe it's because I actually understood it. It was like one of the first ones I understood. (laughs) That's definitely fair. When I understand a chapter of Hunter x Hunter, it goes way up on my ranking list. (laughs) Also, it turns out Pumpkin Demon was a girl the whole time. See, I thought that was disappointing, too. It's like, oh, she's just a fat chick. Like, we've only seen her in shadows yeah. so far. And I didn't necessarily think she was a literal demon or anything. But that No, was but that, kind was, of that a... was kind of cool. And then it was like, nope, it's just, like, some fat chick. I also do like that, that Sakamaki's just like, hey, sister, you go be the bait. You go into this weird devil house, and it'll be fine. Yep. It'll all work out. Yeah, I guess it was a fun mystery, but it was just slightly disappointing because, like Jeremy said, there was no way, having read the whole thing, to figure any of that out. Usually that's the best part about mysteries is figuring out the mystery before the characters do. Yeah, you need all the pieces. Or at the very least, when they explain the mystery to you, you having that spark of recognition of like, I didn't put it all together, but it was all back there. Like, oh yeah, of course, that all, all this sequence of events makes sense. As I said, to be fair, there is a pretty big clue that's in there, although it kind of relies on you understanding English and Japanese. Yeah. And that's pretty difficult in a translated work. Yeah. So maybe the Japanese had an easier time of figuring this one out. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, the guy we see as Himikawa is actually just one member of this old manga club, and he was being kind of held captive by this fat rich girl who had him embedded with a microchip to electrocute his brain whenever he disobeyed her. Yep. 
So the girl actually committed suicide, and they had Baba take the fall because he was in part of their manga team as well. Yeah, that was also a little confusing because we saw the scene where the two of them are looking over the rail, and Himikawa immediately goes like, "Baba, you know what to do." What? How did they plan for this situation? <laughs> what? Why would you plan for this situation? Well, I feel like they've been manga prisoners for a while at this point, so maybe... Yeah, maybe they had been thinking about it. I honestly don't know. I mean, they did say it was an escape attempt that just didn't go right, because he had a microchip in his head to electrocute him. Yep. So anyway, yeah, I was a little disappointing in the ending, but it was overall a pretty good series. So I am a little sad it's over. But also, you couldn't have drawn this out much longer. No. So... Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, so next we have World Trigger Chapter 169, Takamaki 2, Part 22. Because this guy doesn't know how to do titles. A man after my own heart. Yep. So I spent the whole time not knowing who's on whose team. Yeah, me too. Because the guy with the black sword, I thought was on the main character's team, and he's not. And I, I was like, wait, wasn't... Because he looks almost exactly like the actual guy who's on the main character's team. Like, they have the very similar hairstyles with the same coloring, and they just they look very similar. So I was like, I now don't know who anyone is, and I barely had an idea beforehand. I mean, with taking that kind of all out of context, I liked the plan and all that was going on, but I at the same time was going, I don't know who any of you people are. I also like the plan. I could have done without the three pages of the start that's just a flashback. We need a plan. Yeah, plan would be good. What about my plan? Yeah. The thing I wanted to do. You're flashing back. You don't you you can actually tell us what it is now. Also, yeah. we've seen it already. You already did it at the end of the last chapter. That said, it's a pretty cool plan where like we said at the end of the last chapter, they turned out the lights and they wait for the enemy team to put up their night vision and then they turn the lights back on, which gives them the chance to keep attacking. Yep. But then the main character with the sword, who Kevin thought was the one who was hurt, just randomly shows up at the generator for some reason. Yeah. he was going somewhere else. I, yeah, it was him and another member of their team going somewhere else. And I was just, I got lost because I was like, wait, I thought you guys were on it. I'm so, I just, I don't know who anybody is. And I really need to get caught up on this manga so that I have an idea of who people are. And then I can probably get a better clue of what's going on. Well, from what it sounds like, you'll have more of an opportunity to do that. Yeah, so speaking of that, World Trigger is shifting over from Weekly Shonen Jump to Jump SQ, which is Jump Squared, Jump's monthly magazine. And so we're probably going to be getting that as a monthly release because they didn't say it was leaving this version of Shonen Jump because the two versions are kind of weird. Yeah, they, the American version is a weird hybrid. They mash the the monthly ones, not all of them either, because I think the monthly, it might be bigger. I'm not entirely sure. Well, we also don't get all the weekly titles either right now. Yeah. So it might just be, I assume it's going to continue because there was no note here that it was leaving. But in the back, the author is like, sorry, I'm moving at such a weird time. Yeah, but uh, the note at the end of the chapter says it will be moving to a monthly serialization. Okay. So I missed that, so. Yeah, right at the end, it was like, it'll be moving to a monthly serialization. Gotcha. So I'm assuming we'll still keep it, because it would be very weird to have it come back. I mean, weird things can happen, but it'd be weird to have it come back for, for like, like, what? Three issues. Yeah, three issues, and then go away again. I did like this more than any other chapter of World Trigger so far, though, because like Zach said, it's a pretty good gimmick for the fight, with the lights kind of flashing on and off. Yeah, and there's stuff going on. Like, the last chapter was a lot of nothing going on, and then there was the cool, the lights went out. 
And now we have, like you said, we have stuff going on, the lights going on and off gimmick where it was like, and it's not even just going to work once because the guys who have control of the lights can just leave the lights off with their night vision on. And if you don't turn your night vision on, you won't be able to deal with them. And the second you do, they'll turn their night vision off and turn the lights on. So you can't really plan for anything. Oh yeah, that that's nasty. Having played any kind of game, turning on your night vision and walking into a light is a bad idea. Yep. All right. So speaking of nothing really happening, next we have Boruto number twenty nine, Shadow Doppelganger Jutsu. Yep. This was not as good as the last time we read Boruto. No, I still do like Boruto a lot more than I expect to every week or I guess month, which gives it a lot of points for me because I I always am kind of like ah oh, Boruto. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about it, Zach? I actually kind of liked it, but that might be because I actually know who at least half the characters are. And I liked having, like, Naruto be in the mentor role there. Like, the yeah, the kid whose name slips my mind. Kawaki. Kawaki. Like, being the very sullen teenager, Naruto basically just no-selling everything he's saying. Like, no, I've done that. Yeah. Done that. I actually really like that. that, too, where he's like, yeah, that Shadow Jutsu must be nice, because then you could beat yourself up, and Naruto's like, nope, doesn't help. I quite liked that, so... I did too, and I even liked the little fight between Naruto and Boruto, and I did not know Boruto had this weird karma power, so that's kind of a reveal for me. So. Same here, although I didn't realize karma was a power. Yes, I thought they were just talking about the concept. <laughs> yes, it was like, now you will understand karma. I was like, oh, have they been, has like Boruto been talking smack about his dad or something like that? And I was like, no, it's a literal power. Oh. But, yeah, but was... it has nothing to do with the concept of karma that, that was a little odd because I, I thought the same thing i'm like karma okay well it, so it's it gonna be a beat down because he's been talking smack well, to be no. fair on second glance through the word karma is always uh, capitalized is, it's bolded like the yeah. the lettering is bold to make it stand out i just didn't register that the first time. i noticed it i just didn't know it was supposed to mean anything special also going back to naruto in the kind of mentor role there is a pretty great part where kawaka's like yeah but i'm not a ninja i can't use chakra and naruto's like chakra is just the force bro <laughs> everybody has it yep yeah i i really liked that so yeah i'm really surprised in boruto how well naruto works in that role i guess i shouldn't be because he worked in a lot of different roles in his own series it's just nice to see him kind of come all the way through yep the run really lame part of it is it ends with pretty much the same cliffhanger as the last chapter did a month ago with this spy guy coming and be like, ha, I see you now. Well, at least we know he's here specifically for Kawaki rather than just in the town. I kind of gathered that from the last chapter, right? or at least assume. Probably. From what they'd said. I guess. Yeah, but now it's been actually clarified. Or... Yeah, we also know he has a toad, which yes. is... Interesting. Yeah. At first, on the first panel, I wondered if that was like a friendly toad who had seen him. Yeah, same here. And then they showed it that it was actually yeah. like under his coat. Because Naruto has toad powers. I know Naruto has okay, toad powers. You're me I, I also know that Sasuke has snake powers. And, so not, and Sakura has Sakura slug, has slug powers. powers. And Kakashi has dog powers. Like, I, I already knew all that. Yeah, it's just because the toads are actually like a force for good in their world. And they're all like bros with Naruto. So Yeah, it'd be weird that they'd be working but with one of But there could be his... an evil frog clan. It's totally possible, and maybe that's where that guy is from. No, see, that's the frog clan. The toad clan is different. Oh, obviously. Duh. There we go. All right, so speaking of different, next we have Hunter Hunter Chapter 390, Clash Part 1. So, hey, Zach, about <laughs> that Hunter Hunter? Well, uh, yes. 
Again, I don't like to just read from my notes, but my first one is Hunter Hunter is back on its bullshit. Yeah, I I did not have any like semblance of clue. They're like, hey, these are people that I should keep an eye out for. Okay, I read the synopsis and then I immediately started was like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, so that's exactly how Jeremy felt the first time he started reading Hunter Hunter, because this is a terrible arc to be jumping into. Yeah. I gathered that. So the we find out a little bit more about the coins we were talking about last week. And that the dude who's giving them out doesn't know what they do either. And he's like, oh, this will probably be helpful after I win this battle, which is bad for me, because if I die first, they will not be helpful. Yeah, but at the same time, he's like, all I have to do is survive, and then I will have an iron-fisted rule. Or not an iron-fisted rule. Uh, he said It's something about iron, like an iron-strong... I'll be an iron-strong king or something like that. Like It was weirdly worded. I can't remember what it was, but it, I, it did stri- stand out to me. Yeah. But that's actually not too confusing, because I don't think most of the princes know what their Ninbis do at this point. No, but also, like, it's, there are so many of them. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. And then I guess he goes to the mob. Are we supposed to know the character he goes to? Yeah, I think we've met with him before. He's one of the mob, like, dons. I gathered he was a mob don, but I had absolutely no idea what his significance was supposed to be here. He's just, uh, the mob dons rule the lower levels of the whale ship that they're on. Like they're the ones in control of them. Oh, okay. And I think the we've se- we've met him before through the spiders, who they mention in this chapter. Mm. I thought they were talking about literal spiders. So. No, two. The spiders are a assassin group that has been one of the main antagonists for Gon and his friends. Gotcha. Specifically, they are Karapika's mortal enemies. Are they the ones who killed his clan? Yes. I watched the first two episodes of Hunter Hunter. Yes, they're the ones who killed his clan. Where's Leorio hanging out? Is he dead? Don't don't spoil that for me. Okay. I'm just like, oh man, this is the best character. Why is he not in the arc I'm reading? Leorio's great. I really like Leorio. So then we cut to some characters on the lower levels getting in a fight in the food court. Yep. Are we supposed to know who these dudes are? No. I think not because it tells us what their abilities are. Yeah, they're brand new. They're I'm assuming they're part of the the mafia. One of them has a cool power where, where when she punches you, she hears what you're thinking. So she yeah. just asks people questions and then punches them. From what it sounded like and when I read through it, she specifically has to ask a question, then hit somebody. Then she hears the answer. Yeah, which is really cool. And I, it's, she hears what your internal voice is thinking. So like... So if you knew she had that power, you could probably... You could, you could try and not think about the answer. You could try and think about something else. Is the, it sounds like that's what the limit to her power is. But then she's probably pretty good at distracting you to the point where she can get the information she wants anyway. Yeah, it's hard to think after you've been punched. Yes. There's also a dude who can turn anything he's touched into an animal he controls. That was weird. <laughs> Nen powers are weird. I thought that was pretty cool that he turns those the guards' money. guns into snakes, and they still maintain their ability to be a gun, so the snake mouths shoot bullets. So that's what that was? Okay, yeah. I thought the snakes had bitten them. That's no, it said that. they retain all of their properties, so the snakes shoot bullets at uh, them. Okay, it was it was small font and right at the end of the chapter, yeah. so I may have missed that. And then we have the third guy who has the ability to control his blood once it's left his body. So apparently he walks around with an IV because he needs a constant supply of blood. And he also mentions that he doesn't like cutting himself to activate his ability because it really unnerves him. He says, I didn't have the nerve to cut myself because... One of the thugs cuts his, like, slits his throat, or, like, at least gives him a cut on the throat. 
So yeah, these guys are kind of cool, although we're not going to have to wait a while to find out what their deal is, because Hunter Hunter is back on hiatus. Yeah, that seemed a little odd, cause, especially because if you guys have been talking about how this is such a confusing arc to come in on, and now it's going to be on hiatus and come in on the same arc again. This is the second hiatus this arc. He did say that he's got 10 chapters outlined, so maybe it won't be that long, but we'll see. Yeah, he's had a lot of health problems, because the hiatus before this arc was like two years or something like that. He's had a lot of problems. People were honestly surprised when it came back. Yeah, I remember there were a lot of, I don't want to say jokes, but he's like, I remember I have this one uh, anime YouTuber who I watch, and he's like, will it all really matter when I die? Will they just finally admit Hunter Hunter is canceled? All right, so speaking of canceled, and by that I mean it will never be canceled, We next up is Black Clover, page 183, The Raging Bull Joins the Showdown. Which is uh, one of the clearer chapters of Black Clover, I feel like, I've read so far. But maybe that's just because the main character is back. Yep, for a bit. What were your thoughts, Zach? Were you completely lost? I was, like, I had a vague idea of what was going on in this cha- in the arc because I've been listening to you guys. But then it things started happening and I'm like, alright, I'm lost. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, you guys lost me. I don't know who is anybody is, what's going on. There's not a fight going on, so... Well, I'm, there is a fight going on. That's why I say the art in this is bad at fight scenes, because this entire chapter is a fight. Is it? I yes. Thought it was a <laughs> I thought it was a conversation. They're having a conversation while fighting. I only was really able to tell because Kevin told me about the dude whose power is he controls their base. Well, I saw the base show up and attack, and I thought it was a situation where the base showed up, attacked, and everybody was regrouping. So that's why they were all talking. I didn't think the base was still attacking. Yeah, it's still attacking. That's going through. They mention they use Lux... They're using like a bunch of the Black Bull's abilities in conjunction with the base to negate magical attacks and do some other stuff. I, I got that. It's just it, it, they mentioned it on one page, and then like I didn't think any other actions were happening. I thought that was like going on in the background while other characters were having a discussion. They're having a discussion in the middle of the fight, anime style. Like, hey, we've finally been reunited. Like beating up the bad guys that they've reunited to fight. Yeah, this is why I say uh, the art in Black Clover isn't good. I totally missed that. Uh, and then, like, half the base gets taken out somehow? Yeah. Not really clear. Did it get sent to Dreamland? Spoilers. Some people get sent to Dreamland. Yeah, I think she sent, like, an entire bubble. Like, she had, like, a area of space that she sent to Dreamland. So, like, the top part of the base got sent to Dreamland, along with most of the people on top who were doing a bunch of the anti-magic stuff. That yeah, was I not the only this. part I understood it. <laughs> I understood this chapter. I knew so. that happened. I didn't know. I just didn't know. What maybe I just get it. his art style. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I knew what was going on. Like I said, I would have had no idea if you had not last week explained to me in detail the powers of the guy who can control their base. And I figured, okay, the base is like shooting cannons or something. Yep. I might have known more if I had actually been reading for a more extended period. But right here, I just was confused. I still think the art isn't great, but... I was a little bit more cognizant of what was happening this week than I am usually. Yep. And Asta's back. He didn't do anything, but he's back. Yep. All right. So next we got Food Wars Chapter 289, I Wish I Were You, which is basically mostly the backstory of Asahi, the current villain. But it also starts with this great bit of the judge having to run away because she's out of money and she can't afford Soma's dish. Yeah. She goes to an ATM because she comes back. She's like, the judging will be on hold. Which is pretty great. I'm a little disappointed that we don't get to find out how much Soma's dish was worth. She was like, here, that's about 100. Go on. A little more than 100. Go go over there. Yep. 
I thought it was pretty funny, especially her yelling at them for hanging out in front of the convenience store and talking. Why are you just milling around the convenience store? There's nowhere else to go. Someone was like eating a popsicle, I think. Yeah, he he had a popsicle, and apparently he didn't know what the reward was for this. That seems very Soma from what little I've... Absolutely. He got... he. The only reason he came to the blue was to fight Asahi and win the right to... I I forget exactly why he wants Arena. Because, like, they've had the tension of... It seemed like him and Asahi were fighting over her affection when he just, like, wants to use her god tongue to figure out his dishes better or something like that. that it, I don't that even the girl? think... Yes. That's the girl later on, yeah, that he's talking to. What is it was talking about the guy having kidnapped her? Yes, was, yes because uh, he actually did that. Okay, I was like, that's not a euphemism. He literally kidnapped her. I, I figured that was probably the case when the character mentioned it. I just was looking at it, going, "I am I supposed to know who you are?" She's pretty important. I don't. She's the dean of the school. Also, if she loses the blue, she has to marry that dude. We find out Asahi's background, which is that he was an orphan, and the first person who he cared about at all was Soma's dad. But then Soma's dad had to move back to Japan because his wife died. And he had a son who was just kind of there, not having anyone to raise him. Yep. And so Asi really hates Soma because he took away his the first person that was his father to him. Because he never knew his real father. No, I, I gathered that. I, yeah. I obviously, I didn't know like his significance or anything like that going into this. But I did like the chapter. That's I, I liked most of the characters that, when the interactions were coming up. I just didn't know who anybody was. Yeah, that's why I like Food Wars as well. I think the art is really good at conveying the humor. And I actually really like this judge and hope she stays around, even though I can't think of a reason why she would. I, I, I really liked the judge, you know, hearing Soma mention he doesn't know what's actually, like, at stake and her just chewing him out for it. Yeah, I think she'll show up again. I mean, she, I could definitely see her showing up, like, next arc or something. See a reason for her to hang around here. But maybe she will. Maybe she'll keep judging. Well, she might be, like, part of the panel of judges for the final event or something like that. Like, they might have had all the judges for all the gates come together to form the panel for the final event or something like that. Well, it's a good thing Soma convinced that one not to commit suicide then. Yep. Yeah, that would, uh, that would have been awkward. So next we have Dr. Stone, Z equals 84, Dr. Stone. I feel like this is not the first chapter I've read called Dr. Stone. I think last week's chapter was Dr. Stone. <laughs> he didn't even bother with a part two. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going hard at the chapter titles this week for some reason. I also did not really care for this. Dr. Stone's really losing me. Yeah. They're making a boat. That's what they were doing last issue, too. Well, they didn't know what mode of transportation it was going to be. So it's like, well, of course it's going to be a boat. Can't make a plane. At least not yet. And there's probably going to be water involved going yeah. to the other side of the world. Well, I mean, if you make a plane, you don't need to deal with the water but again well i mean it's not going to be a car because there's probably going to be water involved if you can't build a plane therefore probably boat yeah so they're setting up a few new obstacles there's a guy called magma have we met him before yeah okay i don't remember you've met him before i don't remember him being called by name it doesn't seem like he just showed up no he was the kind of top dog in the the village that senko is now the chief of gotcha Uh, and he was the one who was going to become the chief even though not everybody likes him. He's kind of the strong idiot type, but their society was based on strength. And so he's like, even in this, you can kind of see he's kind of stupid. He's not like, you know, amazingly stupid, but he's a little dense, I guess. Yeah. At least he doesn't want to kill Senku. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, no, I need a sweet science wizard to make science for me. He makes fun stuff. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I like that about him that he's slowly been changing from being the guy who just wants to murder all of his rivals to like, listen, I still want to be chief of the village, but I also don't want to get rid of Sanku because he makes all these fun toys for me. So somehow I need to make that work. But it just feels like we're really treading water, if you'll pardon the pun. Yes. Like, let's move on with the story, please. I mean, like, I didn't know where this was going. Oh, yeah, we're going to go find the light. Okay. How's that going to be a new arc? Like, I just... Yeah, there's no conflict, really. Nope. What did you think of this, Zach? Well, I it wasn't, like, my favorite thing in the world at the same time. I was like, I kind of understand what's going on. This makes some sense. I kind of like the boat thing. I really like the explanation for how to force a choice, even though they didn't really go into great big in-depth. But it was They something... more went into why you would want to do that than how you would do that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, at the same time, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I really, really enjoyed it. It was very there. So speaking of stuff I really enjoyed, next we have never we never learned question eighty nine da 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 part five. Zach is smiling, so <laughs> I really liked the chapter. I, like this is the only one I've read so far, and I really liked it. Yeah, we never learn is like immediately became one of my favorites. Yeah, and the anime starts I think in January. So all right, that's on my list now. It might be spring, but I thought it was January. I might be thinking of Promise Neverland, though, because I know that's in January. Yeah, I think then We Never Learn is probably in the spring, because I think they were split on which seasons they were releasing on. Gotcha. So this is, I presume, the final part of this Fumino story. Probably. Uh, unless there could be an epilogue, I guess, but it seems to end on a pretty definitive note. It seems it to might end do- like a normal chapter of We yeah. Never Learn ends. So There might be a small vignette in the next chapter, but it's probably done. So anyway, Fumino has figured out the password to her mom's laptop, like we assumed last week. Yep. And instead of a research paper, all that's on there is a video of her being a klutz. Yep. And saying like, hey, sorry, I'm dead. Uh, uh, Please don't hate each other. Okay, bye. (laughs) Well, I really like that. It was like, oh, sorry, I made it seem like the research into the... uh, The miracle problem? No, it's like the millennium problem or something like that, which are, they're literal math problems that some society will pay you money if you figure out the answer yeah. to the problem. And it's like a lot of money. Like, it's millions of dollars. She's like, no, but I'm sorry. It's way too hard for me. Yep. I also like the fact that she was like, I know you think I'm a genius at math, but uh, here are my high school math scores. I was an idiot in math. Just like what his daughter was doing of uh, just because just because you're not good at something in when you start off doesn't mean that you can't become great at it. Like I spent time working on becoming good at math and that's why I'm so good at it now. I didn't just immediately start off good at math. Yeah, I, I that's why I really liked it. I liked the whole charm that this thing had, even though it was probably a little bit more serious than one of the other ones that you guys have been talking about. But Yeah, the tone is usually more like the end of the chapter with Reggie Fumino's dad talking to Mikiri. I just say use Yu-Gi-Oh, but that is his family name. Yeah, so Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, so, what is your relationship with my daughter, since you're now living together? <laughs> yeah. I like that. I really liked the chapter. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. It was a very good conclusion to this nice story. I hope we keep getting multi-part stories, maybe one with each girl. It has been a little weird ha- not having the other girls around for so long, but... Yeah. At the same time, it's not like I really miss them, because this was a good story. Yeah. And we had bits of some of the girls during the middle of this, but it was like Fumino interacting with them, but they were still there. Uh, speaking of good stories, though, we skipped My Hero Academia. So did either of you read that? I did. I skimmed it, but uh, I'm so far out of context. I 
I was like, I skimmed this because I like this show, but I don't know what's going on. Okay. Did anything you want to say about it, Kevin or Zach? I didn't read it at all. I read the first page of it. <laughs> so this is the start of a new match in their competition that they're going on. So they've got four-man teams from Class A and Class B going against one another. And Bakugo is in this one. So this is a good chapter. All right. So speaking of good chapters and the heaviest possible air coats, the last story in the issue is Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V, Scale 40, The Atom Factors. I don't know what's going on. I didn't think I could like this less than I did <laughs> last time it was on, and I was proven wrong. So uh, after defeating God, that is still an acronym. Uh, the main character's rival question mark shows up and is like, hey, I also have Adam factors. We have to do an action duel to decide who will get this card. No, no. The main character proposes the action right. duel because he's like, oh, yeah, my dad. My scientist father invented action dueling. So it's my favorite. Yeah, because the his rival hates it or something like that. And he's like, whatever. I have more Adam factor than you <laughs> because Adam gave me his Adam factor. I don't know. Like, I, I wasn't entirely enthused when I saw this here that it was like, yes, Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, manga. Okay, I know that's where it started, but I don't know what you guys are doing here. I, I have literally no idea what they're talking about. We don't I either. do pendulum this and pendulum that. And this thing, because of all this, I'm going... Oh, there's Synchro Summoning at the end? I know what Synchro Summoning uh, is, because that's from card games on motorcycles. I'm just like, can I, you know... Buy a vowel? <laughs> yeah, can I buy a vowel here? Yeah, not a great way to end the issue. Can somebody summon something normally so I understand it? That doesn't happen in Yu-Gi-Oh! anymore. It's all special summons nope. and synchro summons and pendulum summons. He summoned the bird normally. He was yes. like, bam, I summon this bird. And then he flew the bird, which was insane. But he was like, haha, I have summoned a creature regularly. And that's it. That is my turn. Yay. So lost. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of it, and I should love a thing with a card called God Eyes Pendulum Dragon, but, or Genesis Omega Dragon, an acronym for God, but, yep, yeah, just nothing here. Oh, okay, well, so that's everything. We got through it actually quicker than I expected for such a long issue, but a lot of the chapters were pretty breezy, which I guess is a nice thing to say. Yep. But next, we'll talk about them from best to worst in our next segment, Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read from the ones Zach found most confusing to least confusing. <laughs> Who showed you my list? I haven't seen it yet. But we start from the most confusing slash the worst chapter and then go down to the best. So we'll start with you, Zach, because you're a guest. What did you have at number 11? Yu-Gi-Oh! Because like, I got confused on a lot of the other ones, but this one was like, I'm super lost. Like This was something I thought I might actually be able to understand. But then... 
no, no, I, I got no clue what's going on. I don't know why this is important. I don't know why a card is such a big deal, but it's Yu-Gi-Oh! So or what an Adam Factor is. Yeah, what that is, yeah. <laughs> and this card is God. <laughs> you control space and time or some bullshit. Or apparently that the whole planet has been destroyed or something like that. There was like definitely mention of the fact that, like, wait, unless we destroy this card, you won't be able to bring back the world that was destroyed. I was like, wait, the world was destroyed? Recreate something or build... Like, I was so confused. So, yeah, that one's at the bottom. Same. Yeah, also same. It was actually really close for me for between this and my number 10. But yeah, I just do not care at all. And like, I can't even get into the card playing. So, And I know what Synchro Summoning is, and I kind of know what Pendulum Summoning is. But we don't know what action duels are, no. so that came out of left field. Because it's like, oh yeah, I've got the second action card. H- how? You used your scarf? What? The other guy, like, pole vaulted? And what? And then he used his scarf to create a magical blade to cut his pole in half and then use the scarf to steal the action card. And it's Look, like, when you say it, it sounds rad, but it's not. No, it's not. I could see this being something that would actually be a lot more entertaining to watch in motion, like an actual anime for it. But I got no idea. And to be fair, Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V started as an anime and is being adapted to manga. But oh, that might explain some things then. Yep. What do you have at number 10, Zach? Black Clover, because like I said, I was so lost. I... I apparently didn't even realize this was a full-fledged fight the entire thing. So, fair. I I guess I missed the point. Kevin? So my number 10 was World Trigger, because I spent the entire last, like, two chapters thinking one guy was a different dude, and then it turned out I was wrong. So, I'm I'm just lost. Like, yeah, the, the trick with the lights was cool, but since I now do not know who anyone is anymore, I, I just... I. I don't know what's going on. So my number 10 is Hunter Hunter, because like I said, it's back to being fully confusing. And that, hey, we're going on hiatus again, was really disheartening to me. Fair. Like, I don't know how long it's going to be out, but like I was just starting to grasp it. And this one completely lost me. And now it's going to be a while yeah. before we get to more of it. But I guess I will have time to catch up on the anime. Yeah, the sting of that has lessened for me because uh, this is mm-hmm. the second or third time that's happened to me since reading Hunter Hunter. So... Not, I mean, if it's medical problems, it's not like he can really blame the guy. I don't blame the guy. It was just like, it was a confusing chapter. Like, it wasn't like, oh, no, I wanted to know what's going on next. And now I have to wait. It was like, I fumbled and then got kicked in the nuts. Yeah. Zach, what do you got at number nine? I actually have Hunter x Hunter there because I was confused. And yeah, like a lot of them were based on my level of confusion as to what was going on. And like, because they spent the first half explaining or kind of explaining that the coins exist, but no one knows what they do, and then he bounced over to the other people, and I'm like, am I supposed to know who any of you people are? Yes. That is the problem. Yes, you are supposed <laughs> to know who everyone is, except the three new dudes that they introduce. Actually, one might be a chick. I think, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think the one that gets answers by punching people. I think that's a girl. I yeah, do I'm as well. i sure it's a girl, yes. So, my number nine was Boruto. I just, this chapter didn't really grab me. I was like, alright, we're gonna have a training session with Naruto. Okay, and uh, that's really all I got from that. That and the fact that karma is actually a power that's kind of like the curse marks. Yeah, it looked from... a lot like the curse mark. I was expecting someone to say, I was expecting Naruto to go like, oh, that's like that time Sasuke got that weird curse seal and then lightning punched me really hard. Because <laughs> it does the same thing. It's like, oh, it amplifies your powers. So, and so it how makes is like it... a weird tattoo on you. Yeah, so how is it different from the curse seal? It's called something different. I guess. I guess it's not has nothing to do with chakra, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Uh, my number nine is Dr. Stone. 
because like I said, it's really losing me. This felt like almost a nothing issue. I feel like nothing really happened this chapter. And there's just no conflict. So there's a little bit with Magma wanting to take over the village, but he's like a non-entity almost. Yeah. So what do you got in number eight, Zach? I got World Trigger at number eight. While I thought the lights trick was really cool, I had no idea who anybody was. So I didn't know which side I was supposed to be rooting for. And according to, I guess, according to Kevin, I wasn't actually supposed to be really rooting for either side in that particular conflict. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we're supposed to be rooting for people on that side or not. Like what happened to me was I had picked sides in the conflict and then realized that the sides I picked weren't the sides that they were. If that makes any sense, which I don't think it does. Yeah, Much I, like that chapter. Yeah, that's why I put it there is because I thought the trick was kind of cool and I, I thought it made more sense than the other ones, but turns out, no, it, it kind of didn't. Yep. So my number eight is Dr. Stone. Just really kind of losing me. Like, like Jeremy said, there's no conflict. Like they're even from the start, they had been fighting for survival when they first started and then Sukasa broke off. So they were fighting against Sukasa. So they had like, somebody to have conflict against but now it just seems really vague that this conflict is like oh whatever caused the this weird petrification effect and that could be cool i am curious about it it could be but we, right now it's right now it's isn't nothing even a theory about it yeah point. so yeah uh, my number eight is actually the comic because like i said i was actually really disappointed by this ending uh overall i still really enjoyed the series from start to finish but i just felt like the ending was by far the weakest part so Wow, that, I wasn't it, expecting like, it to drop that low for it you. It legitimately disappointed me, so. I gotcha. Zach, what do you got at number seven? Uh, I've got Dr. Stone at number seven, because while I liked the whole kind of explanation of why you'd want to force a choice, and kind of a little bit on how you might go about doing that, I, there's no, like I said, there's not really any conflict, I didn't know who anybody was, I mean, that's the main problem of jumping on a story so late in the game, but at the end of the day, it's like, we want to build a boat. And that's all the chapter was, is deciding which boat to pick, even though everybody already knows they're going to pick Senku's boat. So my number seven was The Promised Neverland, actually. That whole bit in the beginning just totally threw me, because I don't know if it's a flashback from the past or it's going on, on now. And if it is going on now, how does Mr. Minerva have, like, a hundred kids just hanging out? I assume he's gotten them from other farms. There is no way that that many kids have gone missing from farms and the demons haven't retaliated. Like, that's that's what really grabbed me. It wasn't just the fact that, like, oh, he's got a group of, like, six people. Okay, that's a reasonable number. Maybe, like, another 20 or something like that. But he's got, like, this sea of children. It's like, how are you feeding them? Where are you hiding them? How are the demons not found you yet? Like, they're clearly looking for you. You're attacking them. Uh-oh, you're asking what do they eat. That means your immersion is broken. At number seven, I had Black Clover. I like this chapter a bit more than past ones because I got that a fight was going on at least. And like the base as a castle is pretty cool. And I did understand at least that they were all combining their powers, even though I don't know what their powers are or to what end they were combining them. At least the broad strokes worked for me. Gotcha. What do you get at number six, Zach? One Piece again, because like I was listing all... It was like, here are all these characters. And I'm just sitting there going... I don't know who anybody is. I don't know how this relates to their Wano. I don't know how this relates to the story arc that I've been hearing about at the moment. So I don't know who any of these other people are, what their powers are, what they can do. So I was just confused. Corona can make you super depressed. Yes. That's her ability. 
Also, she has ghost powers, but yes, mostly she just makes you so depressed that you can't do anything. Well, she summons ghosts to give you crippling depression, which is amazing. The fight between her and Usopp is so great. It's very good. His secret is obviously that he's depressed all the time. But Uh, it might be the best Usopp fight, and Usopp has a lot of very good fights. Surprisingly, yes. That's because he's the Krillin, but Odai is better at using his Krillin than Toriyama ever was. Yeah. Oh, what do you got, Kevin? So my number six was Black Clover. Even though I did like this chapter more than you guys, there's still, it was like, all right, the gang's back together. Now the gang's separated again. <sighs> okay. Like, I kind of knew it was coming, but at the same time, it was, oh, I thought we were going to have at least more than four pages of the gang being back together. So at number six, I have World Trigger because the combat actually made sense to me and it was engaging. The gimmick going on is pretty cool. People attempting to counter it in different ways worked for me. I'm starting to get a little into it. We'll see how it goes now that it's monthly, though. World Trigger is the next manga series that I'm going to be catching up on because I finally got cut up on Seraph of the End. So I'm going to start working my way through World Trigger so that I will have read everything except Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V and Boruto that is coming out in Shonen Jump. What do you got in number five, Zach? Promised Neverland. That was not intended. To put it right in the middle, I think it got a lot of benefit from the fact that it was the first one I read. And so since it was the first one I actually had any kind of context for in this issue, I was basically basing everything off of it in, in relation to it. Gotcha. So my number five was Hunter x Hunter. I knew who a lot of the people that they were talking about were. So this was a lot less confusing to me than it was for you guys. I thought the three newcomers have really cool men abilities. And that's one of the reasons I like Hunter x Hunter is he's really good at coming up with really interesting superpowers for people to have, like punching you so that she can interrogate you, the guy who can control his blood, which admittedly isn't a super unique power, but the way he portrayed it of he's got to be this guy that's kind of like sickly looking and walking around with an IV, and then as weird as it was, the guy who can turn weapons into animals is kind of cool. Now I'm just imagining him having this like army of like gun turret dogs or something like that. So my number five is Baruto. I kind of felt like the chapter was treading water and didn't do anything. But I do like Naruto in the mentor role, like we were talking about when we talked about it, which is pretty much all that's there. And like I said, Baruto always surprises me, which how much I don't hate it. Yeah. What do you get at number four, Zach? I have Boruto at number four for basically the same reasons you just listed, Jeremy. So I have the comic at number four. Like you said, this ending was kind of disappointing, but I don't think the just because I didn't realized that the ending was going to do it the way it was like i didn't have the oh i i could have pieced this together if i had thought a bit harder about it i thought it was still kind of a a neat wrap-up to the story and i did really like it the joker bit at the end there was a lot of the it's like just almost subtle not translation errors but translation problems of they have a hard time translating this stuff over to english i think made the chapter and uh, probably the mystery as a whole not as good because there was a lot of word play that they were dealing with and that's really hard to translate word play across languages especially ones as different as Japanese and English and it's already relying on the like Japanese to English translations in that word play so yeah my number four is The Promised Neverland. I think I liked it, I guess, obviously, I liked it a bit more than you guys, because I'm really curious about these new characters. They do really seem tonally off, but I'm curious to see how they clash with our main characters, assuming yeah. they do meet up and this isn't some sort of weird flashback. Yeah, and that's that's really the reason that it drove me 
down is because for whatever reason i kept thinking that this is some weird flashback and like that's going to be the thing so it's like oh these characters seem kind of cool too bad they're all dead already i actually had the theory that there were that was a big flash forward but that's because i hadn't met anybody yet i mean that would also almost make sense but yeah what do you have at number three zach i actually have the comic at number three because while i didn't read up the entire mystery i thought the ending was kind of charming so yeah, I mean, look, that series peaked when a dude walked into a prison with a manga death threat on his tie and just opened it. I mean, to be fair, I don't know how you top that, but... Yeah. So my number three was Food Wars. I liked Food Wars this week. little insight into the villain was kind of cool. I was just a little disappointed that we don't get to figure out how much Soma's dish was worth, although I did like the fact that he was like, so how much is my dish worth? And then... Uh, thankfully, she managed to deflect the question of like, oh, I mean, what do you care? The prize is worth so much more money. He's like, huh, what? Oh, yeah, I remember it, them mentioning something about a prize, but I don't really care about that. That's not why I'm here. I, I thought it was his rival mentioned that. I didn't think that was the judge. I think, yeah, I think she did it, or I think he did as well. But like, she used that as the excuse to not answer him. How much is your dish worth? And even Tsukasa kind of like, oh, I kind of gave up on the bet. I don't care anymore. So my number three was Food Wars as well. For pretty much the same reasons. Again, Food Wars, I feel like none of the chapters really hit me hard, but the art is always super nice, and I do like these characters interacting. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to see Soma's two friends and what they present. Then presumably they're still there, but I think we saw the gate open, so. Yeah, they mentioned, not. At, they mentioned at the very end that everybody had cleared it. About half the normal, normal chefs, chefs had cleared it. All the. Yeah, I'm just had. wondering if they're going to do the exact same thing of like they're going to be there the same way and he's because they were focusing on him and Tsukasa and so they're gonna be like yeah we managed to beat it too yeah and probably like one panel I'm like I made this and I made this well I mean last time they didn't even say what they made they were just told what the challenge was that's so true he might just have I came up with these two cool dishes for this challenge and don't really want to figure <laughs> out the other one so you all passed as well huzzah the anime can go into it more when they need filler yeah <laughs> What do you have in number two, Zach? I have Food Wars at number two. Because, like, I liked getting the backstory. I liked the interaction of Soma and Tsukasa. Yeah. And the judge, like, I really liked all of that. You know, ju the judge having to count out and being like, I gave out too many of these rewards. I have to run to the ATM. I thought that was really kind of a fun, fun little chapter. And I liked the artwork and everything. So I'm like, yeah, th this goes pretty high for me. Yep. My number two was One Piece. This was kind of an eclectic chapter, but it was definitely nice to see a bunch of these people again. Like I said, when we talked about it earlier, I was a little disappointed that we didn't have an answer to the cliffhanger from not even last week, but two weeks ago. So just a little bit disappointed there, but it's not like, oh man, now I don't care anymore. It's now I'm even more excited to see what the answer to that cliffhanger is going to be. And it was nice, like you said, to see people from 10 years ago. Yeah, I might have had a little bit more, like, enjoyment of the chapter if I jumped on this ten years ago, but yeah. since uh, I didn't, I'm not going and reading that backlog. That's oh, only come on. 925 chapters. It's a nice round number. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. It's great, though. It is pretty good. I'm the odd man out, because I have We Never Learn at number two. Oh. I mean, it was really good. I just think One Piece is at its best when it's referencing its super long continuity, and it's always really good at pulling characters out just when you had forgotten about them, but not actually forgotten what their deal was. Yep. 
So I love it's like I've been like thinking about Perona lately. I'm like, man, I hope she shows up again in the next hundred chapters. And here she is. And Hawkeye's there being an asshole to her. And Gecko Moria. I didn't think we were going to see that asshole again. Yep. But anyway, we never learned it was good, too. Yeah. So if you can do a process of elimination, Zach's and my number one was we never learn. I I really liked it. I get it. It was a very charming chapter to me. I See, this is proof I do have a soul. Yeah. Just Look, for the record. We Never Learn is a very charming series. That's why yep. every chapter of We Never Learn is good. Yeah, we've almost always consistently ranked it in like the top three. I think once I think I put one I didn't like at number five once. But yeah. Almost always it's in the top three. Yeah, so this was just a really good chapter. It was a really good wrap up to this series with Fumino. I definitely liked the fact that her mom was a klutz kind of like her. That was pretty great to find out. So, yeah, just a, a great chapter. And my number one is obviously One Piece. Yep. My secret number one is My Hero Academia. This <laughs> was a really cool chapter. There's a really cool cliffhanger at the end of this. Look, I read one page, and I was like, oh, man, My Hero Academia is good. Maybe I should just read this. I'm like, no, I don't want to be spoiled. I actually just got season two today. Yeah, so Jeremy pointed out that the collected volumes only go up to, like, basically the end of the anime. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so... There's a little more. I don't want to spoil it, because Zach's here. It's not your stories, but... Yeah. You can see Sir Night-Eye, and he's like, Ah, I am Sir Night-Eye. This is my deal. And season three isn't even on uh, disc yet. So that will do it for Shonen Jump. So after the break, we'll get to the reason we actually invited Zach on, which is to talk about Berserk by Kentaro Miura. So we'll be right back after the break. And we are back to talk about Berserk by Kentaro Miura. Before we begin a content warning for Berserk, there is a parental advisory literally on the cover. I think most of it is for art stuff, and I don't know that a conversation about it is going to offend anyone, but there are some odd sexual situations. I don't find them as disturbing as the ones in Dragon Ball, to be entirely honest, but they still could offend somebody, and there's a lot of just gore to it. It's very well detailed drawn guts so if you think heavy violence is going to offend you maybe skip the rest of this episode like i said i don't know that anything we say about it is going to be offensive but not specifically this volume yeah i could see later down the there line. are berserk later volumes a, yeah berserk, berserk in general dark. yeah that is my understanding but like i said here it's all like 13 year old D campaign stuff sort of yeah a little bit all right so Berserk, if you don't know, is the story of Guts. Do you have him? He likes finding out. Exactly. So it starts in this like super dark cave with Guts. That's how I have to say his name now because it made Zach giggle. Having sex with a woman, but it's a trap because the woman is a demon. But the trap is a trap because Guts knew all along. You're saying his name wrong, but that's fine. So then Guts kills the woman because she's a demon. And that has nothing to do with anything or the rest of the story. Nope. But it is very much a non sequitur. I'm not entirely sure why it's there. I forgot it was. I remembered, but that was because I reviewed the volume before we started recording. Well, so did I, but like I read the 
volume. I had just forgotten this was the first couple of chapters. I guess I the story is kind of nonlinear in sections, so I had forgotten exactly where it started. So something I noticed, at least about these first three chapters, because there are three chapters in the first volume, like I think most monthly published series have three chapters in their first volume. Yeah. They all start in something very similar to Kirby Scope. Are either of you familiar with that term? No. Not familiar. So that's a technique used by the late, great Jack Kirby, where he would start most of his comics with a splash page. And when you'd open the comic, the left side would be the cover and like usually an ad. And so the right side would be this splash page that was usually a full page. Then when you turn it, you'd have a two-page spread. Okay. And none of Berserk's pages actually start that way. But usually they're like really thin panel borders and really dark inks for the first page. And then the second page is not always a two-page splash, but usually there's a splash over the seam in the middle. Yeah. And I wonder if that's an influence of Jack Kirby or if it's complete coincidence. And I wonder if Berserk continues to open that way after this. Not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I mostly notice the art in Berserk because I feel like the story is there's not a lot to talk about there at least not in this first volume yeah not right now yeah i mean there's it's more just about guts in the first volume yeah and i don't find him to be a particularly compelling protagonist i feel like there's a bunch of stuff introduced about him that could make him interesting but they don't do a very good job of showing that in this first volume so much as they hint at there might be something there yeah uh, that that is a lot of it they hint at a lot more of his character traits and I might be seeing a lot of them just because of the fact that I've read I've read more of this. I've gone through the entire Golden Age arc and yeah. all of the sides. So I've, I'm able to see what they're hinting at when they're talking about it. So that might be why I don't feel the same way about it. So do I. So I know a lot more about his character traits as well, but I totally get Jeremy's thing of they're only hinting at a lot of his stuff. Like uh, When I was rereading it to make sure I had an understanding of that, I realized that, yeah, that was kind of the case. A lot of it was being hinted at, and if you have already seen farther, you can see what the why they're hinting and why yep. the hints matter. But at this moment, it looks a little inconsistent. Yep. I wouldn't even say inconsistent. There's clearly something going on behind it, but it feels like, in the same way Guts doesn't want to talk about its past, it almost feels like the author doesn't either. It makes Puck a very weird character, because to me, having being aware of Berserk for over 10 years now, but never really engaging with it, the only thing I knew about Puck was he's a really annoying character, like infamously so. But here he just seems like an audience stand-in. He's annoying to Guts because he wants to know what Guts' deal is, which is also what the audience wants. So, yep. I mean... I don't feel like the author didn't want to talk about it. It actually seems pretty well like the author knows what's going on and what like who Guts is, what's his deal, and like where he came from. Because right in the first chapter, there's a significant hint towards backstory. Yeah, but it's all just hints is really, I think, what Jeremy's trying to say. It's not that he's reluctant to talk about it. It's like it's all just hints, which is kind of a draw to keep reading of like, this art's really cool. I am kind of interested in this character that I don't know a whole lot about, but he's hinting at some kind of interesting stuff going on. Guts is a very stoic character, which I guess is a problem when he's basically the only interaction point. Yeah, Yeah, it's just Guts and Puck, and Puck is almost at the opposite end of things, where Puck is not really an interesting character. We kind of know what his deal is up front. He's really a lens for Guts to reflect off of, but Guts refuses to engage with him. What we do know about Guts is he's a very Han Solo character, 
because he walks into a bar, says, sorry about the mess, and pays the dude some gold. And then he randomly charges into a bunch of soldiers later, only to be captured by them. I kind of love the I'm going to mess up your shop. I, well, I kind of love that. Yeah, he walks in and he notices. So this is when we're also first introduced to Puck, who is being tortured by a bunch of guys. He looks over there and says, sorry about the damage. You know, I'm, I think he says, I'm going to damage your bar and set some money down on the table. I, I think it is actually, I'm going to mess up your shop. But. That might be it. And then proceeds to use his sweet repeating crossbow arm attachment. So the first chapter really is just about being like, hey, Guts is a badass. You wish your D&D character was as cool as Guts. <laughs> because he's got a metal arm, which, spoiler for the end of the issue, the one I think real good reveal is that it's got a gun in it. Doesn't he, cannon. doesn't he use that against the demon lady? At the end of that. Uh, no, against no, the it, demon lady. It, it's not shown that's what he uses, but I'm pretty sure that's the implication. I get where I got confused because I knew that existed. And why Jeremy wouldn't have known it then. Because if it's just implied that he did it, if you know what's going on, you know how he defeated the demon. But if you don't, you don't know that he's got a sweet gun arm like the dude from Trigun. Yeah, and that's a reveal at the end, so I probably shouldn't have started with that. But he's also got a repeating crossbow that he can attach to his metal arm and that he just kind of turns the crank, which would be kind of boring, except for the art is generally very good at showing the motion of the crossbow bolts as they're going on. I kind of got over them sticking into people pretty fast, but it's always very well drawn. And an interesting thing about Berserk compared to all the other manga we've read so far is it doesn't use nearly as much cartooning as most anime and manga does. It's all drawn pretty realistically. It uses some different sorts of cartooning. There's certainly some of it still there, but it's not really what you think of when you think about anime or manga. There's really no like chibi anything or it's just overly exaggerated it's the eyes are the really the thing i'm drawn to the eyes look like a western comic like you would just draw normal eyes they're not there for exaggeration other than puck yeah puck is really the only traditionally anime character that i can think of in these first couple of chapters i guess the girl in the second one which we'll get to in a minute is also drawn a little bit that way but less so than she would be in any of the other series we've read so i mean like Guts is incredibly well detailed in all of how he's going. Of course, he only in about half the time he only has like half of his face is visible, or none of his face. Yeah, it's really heavy use of shadows, and that's the thing I noticed in this. I'm gonna praise the art because I think it's generally good. I feel like the artist really paces himself, and by that I mean I feel like he does all goes all out on certain important panels, and then there are others he doesn't phone in. But there are definitely some panels where it's like, oh, it looks like he's saving the budget on this one to get (laughs) to the money shot later. Yep. Uh, So we've talked about two of Guts' weapons, but not really his most iconic one, I think, which is the giant sword on his back that people keep describing as more like a heap of raw iron than a sword, (laughs) as though it's not sharp. (laughs) His dragon slayer, which you don't find out the name for that for quite a while. Nope. I didn't realize, because it had been a while, that they describe it the same way twice, and I guess that's a consequence of it being a monthly thing, because you get the same description of it twice in this volume. Yeah, you get it in the first chapter, and then I think the third chapter they do. the first and third chapters. It's almost like, you know, somebody in the crowd, or like Puck, describing the sword. I think Puck is the one that's supposed to be describing it the first time, and then I think the second time it's supposed to be some, like, bystander. Yep. I still keep hearing the sound effect from the current Berserk uh, anime, which is a great sound effect for him swinging that sword. It It's awesome. Unfortunately, the rest of the, that 
adaptation isn't great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's far in the future from this volume because that's from the conviction arc. Yeah. So the first chapter of this is pretty much just a, this is Guts and this is his deal. He wanders into a town, almost John Wayne style. He goes to the bar, John Wayne style. He sees some dudes being assholes, John Wayne style, and pays the bartender for messing up his shop before he messes up those dudes. He incidentally ends up saving an elf, end quotes, because it's pretty much a Disney fairy, but the term elf is used consistently for him, named Puck, who is always drawn naked, which is a little odd, but it doesn't look bad. It's also the elves' deal when they show up more often later. In the yeah, they don't wear they, they don't wear clothes, do and he's never drawn hyper. That's not true. There's, I think, one of the like opening pages he's drawn kind of hyper realistically. It's when he like first starts to heal guts is when he's drawn like actually hyper realistic. Yeah, there's still not too much detail to him. Like his face has a lot more detail to it, but the rest of his body is just kind of this like amorphous blob. He's kind of like a Kendall. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say he's very Kendall in all his appearances. So even though he's but I mean, naked, it's a little odd. It's not graphic. Right? He doesn't have like pecs or abs or anything <laughs> like that either. Like it's literally like he's an it's the outline of a body and then the face. So Guts gets captured after he beats these people up because the mayor, they are like bandits. And the mayor has a deal with the bandits where he pays them to not bother them. Well, they're guards like they're actual people in the arm in the employ of the of this lord of the castle nearby. Yeah, but he's like has to apologize to the bandit lord for guts action. So I thought the people in the bar he killed were no, they the they bandits. were they were part of that, but they're not bandits in the, yeah they're in the traditional sense. They're actually members of a legit authority. The guy that the mayor apologizes to is like the count or the baron or whatever of like his duchy. Gotcha. So they're totally acting like bandits, and he's the bandit king. But that guy has legitimate authority. Okay, I kind of missed that part. Yeah. Because it seemed like people were criticizing him about dealing with this guy, where if he's the legit authority, he's more Guts sense. is the one that's actually being critical of him. No one else is really criticizing him for doing this. It's just, that's what is being done to protect the, the town. Yeah. No one actually criticizes him for doing it other than Guts. And even though he is a legit authority, nobody likes him because he's he's like Evil? a band. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he's a cannibal, right? That's straight up said. Except for it turns out he's not human. Spoilers, so... Yes. Not a cannibal. Yeah. So he's he's acting like a bandit lord, even though he's gotten legit authority. Gotcha. Anyway, <laughs> they torture Guts for a while, but like a 13-year-old's D&D character, he's like, more, I can take it. I'm not losing any HP from this. Uh, and Puck flies in to rescue him because Guts rescued him, but Guts kind of laughs that off. It's not really clear here if Guts intentionally saved Puck and is just playing it off, or if it really was just a coincidence, but... I do kind of like that ambiguity. Here, I don't think it was actually, like, Guts went after those guys because he knew that it could send a message. I think saving Puck is collateral in this case. There are other instances where Guts does similar things, even in this volume. That We also have the panel of Guts spitting on his captor, which happens a lot. Yeah, that, that does happen often. That's how he likes to make a point when he's being tortured, is just to spit in the dude's face. It's kind of all you can do. Yeah. To be fair, it it probably knowing everything guts goes through, this is like nothing anyway. Yeah. I I mean it works. Like it, it always gets the torturer. It, well, yeah. I mean you're torturing torturer? somebody and he yeah. doesn't care. Like what are you gonna do about that? Yep. But anyway, Puck helps him get free, and then the count shows up and he's a demon. So Guts fights the demon and blows him away with his cannon arm. It's a pretty good fight. I'm underselling it a bit, but it is pretty much just a fight. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of really nice panels where Guts was hiding in a pile of corpses at one point. There's also, there's the great bit of he's talking to the the guy who's a demon is like, man, it must suck to be, be immortal. immortal. Yeah, it must suck to be immortal because a human would have died from this. But you get to feel everything as he like continues shooting him with arrows, shooting him with arrows. And then I think he sets him on fire, <laughs> a building fall, a building that the guy's troops had set on fire falls on him. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll just leave you to burn to death. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Yep. And that's the end of the chapter. Uh, this is also the first mention. Uh, they mentioned the apostles, right? He mentions the apostles. Uh, the snake dude mentions that Guts is hunting the apostles. This is also the first mention of the God Hand, because that's what yes. that's who Guts is looking for. Yeah, Guts is so he's hunting down demons, these apostles, to try and find information on the God Hand. Who they are, we don't know yet. Well, yeah, me and I, Kevin know yes. who they are, but <laughs> I have God Hand written down, but I swore I wrote down apostles later and can't find it in my notes. So I don't know if I didn't write it down or. Yeah, he just, he mentions right beforehand of the demon general snake man. That is another theme of Berserk. Animal themes, infantrymen, or not infantrymen, but like knights. Like, the apostles are a little bit different, but yeah, like all the knights of the realm, which haven't gotten mentioned, are like the blue whale knights are one of them. The, the purple, purple rhino knights. The purple the rhino knights. Inns? Yes. A bunch of inns hired knights to defend them. The yes. Pass down their tradition proudly. Fear the most elite. Night Force We Command, the Purple Rhino Knights. You can say that with a straight face. The White Hawks, like literally the all White of... Phoenix Knights. Is that what it was? I thought... That's what yeah, they that's become right. later on in the way in the future from where we are. Yeah. Or, or past, however you decide to look at it. So yeah, he mentions that I knew you were hunting down the apostles. But this dude doesn't know where the God Hand is. No, nope, he that's says... That's why they... Guts lets him burn to death. They wouldn't tell a lowly apostle like me. So that moves on to the next chapter, The Brand, where Guts is just hanging out in the ring. Puck followed him. He's like, hey, you seem like a cool dude, so I wanted to follow your adventures. Presumably like anyone who's reading this chapter. Yep. Unless this perhaps happens to be the first issue of this magazine they're picking up. In which case, I guess this is a decent jumping on point. It actually kind of reminds me of how Shonen Jump structures a lot of their new stories where the first two chapters tend to be self-contained. Yep. And then starting with the third one, they start a storyline. Yeah. Although, because of this volume size, we only see the start of that storyline instead of the majority or all of it, like you typically do in a Shonen Jump series. But Well, you can just imagine, because we usually get a hint at the, like, the next story arc and for the fourth, like the, the last volume of like Dragon Ball is hinting at the, the, what the next story arc is going to be. So yeah. that's kind of what this did. Same with like Bleach and yep. One Piece. But like Naruto just ends in the middle of one. Yep. Anyway, so the second one... Guts is just walking around. Puck's hanging out with him. It starts raining. A dude comes up on a carriage. It's like, hey, youngster, you should hang out in my carriage and get out of the rain. Well, first, Guts basically kicks Puck out. Like, he tells him oh, to yeah, I forgot screw about that. off, and Puck leaves. Yes, I did forget about that, because he's on the carriage. Yep. Yes. Well, he's in the carriage. And Guts is like, go away, old man. And he's like, ah, oh, come on, don't be like that. And Guts is like, well, it's not my fault if you die. Well, he doesn't actually. He doesn't actually say that. No, but he, he says that to the audience. Yeah, yeah he thinks it. Well, it's not my fault if they're dead. The the way I, I've always kind of interpreted that is that somebody who is trying to convince themselves more than anything else. Because if you legitimately didn't care, you wouldn't say that. You just wouldn't care. Yeah, I do definitely get that. Guts has a guilt complex going on, yep. and he's trying to convince himself. But again, we don't really see him do anything in people's favor to kind of prove that. 
we only see him being hard in these early stories, which is, I guess, my, my major criticism of them is. He saved more Puck. than Guts. That's true. But he even laughs it off. It's like, huh, I, I didn't have to. Yeah. Well, actually, for the reasons in this very chapter, it's because he's being hunted. He doesn't want somebody around him. Yeah. Because they'll get caught in the crossfire. Yep. So anyway, a bunch of skeletons show up because the DM rolled skeletons on the random encounter. So chart. first off, Guts falls asleep in the back of the carriage with this old guy and his daughter who were like taking their taking a trip guts falls asleep and starts having a weird dream and realize he is being attacked by an incubus which is kind of like the brain of a ethylid yeah it looks very geiger-esque and drawing these sorts of monsters is again something that kentaro is because we're on a first name basis me and kentaro that's why he couldn't remember his name yes on the previous one there yep but he's so he gets attacked by the incubus and squishes it and the guy's like what what happened what what is that thing and Guts started explaining that Incubi, so he's got extensive demon knowledge because he's like, oh, Incubi feed off the souls of the suffering. So there must have been like a big battle or something around here. So we need to leave now. Well, actually, what he says is stay on the wagon. That's like, right. Don't leave the wagon. And he gets out. Yes. And then the horses go crazy. And then there are spooky, scary skeletons. And then skeletons. there are spooky, scary skeletons. Because it was an ancient battlefield site or something like that. And in doing that, the girl doesn't listen to Guts, gets out of the wagon, and is stabbed by a spear. Yep. Doesn't listen to Guts or her father, who's like, no, stay in the wagon. I don't think he says anything. I thought his father was like, well, I mean, you should stay in the wagon as I well. I don't think he actually says anything to He her, might not have. Guts just says, stay in the wagon, and gets out to obviously fight the skeletons, because he knows what's... Well, he doesn't know what exactly is coming, but he knows something's coming, and it's not going to be good. Yep. Uh, so anyway, then most of this chapter is just guts fighting skeletons. And I've really praised the art, but this battle does nothing for me, for the most part. Specific, uh, the ending is pretty nice, and we'll get to that in a minute. But just guts attacking the skeletons, I found almost boring. Because they're skeletons, he's not... He can't, dra- he can't go to his go-to of just drawing a bunch of guts flying out of a dude. I mean, after there is a really... I, I think there's a really nice splash page in there, but I can understand where... There is, yeah, there is a really nice splash page in there, but I also just meant, like... So this is like your D&D character gets attacked by a horde of skeletons. You're not whipping out your cool moves to fight the skeletons. You're just kind of like, all right, I smack that one with my sword. It's dead. I smack that one with my sword. 14, it's dead. 15, ah, two. Anyway, but the fight does have a kind of good button on it where the girl who died at the beginning gets reanimated and kills her father. Ah, I said good. I don't know that that's the word I want to use, but a interesting button, I suppose, and just like Guts kind of predicted, the two people died because he was on the ride and he tells Puck, who he can safely fly above the fight, that he basically has a brand on him that attracts demons. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I really think about is that when the girl comes to stab him after killing her father, Guts he hesitates. hesitates. Yeah. And we've already seen Guts doesn't hesitate, so the fact that he does here is particularly important. Yeah. I mean, as soon as she stabs him, he stops but the fact that he she does get to yeah she does get to stab him so that, that's why i've always thought of like when i was thinking of these first three chapters after i read them i thought this was like the the biggest one is because it's, it's more character than the first one yeah because we find out a little bit more about who guts is well, at least that's how i figured it all right so then we go to chapter three the guardian of desire part one which is also the one i would call the good chapter personally 
Uh, like I said, Zach is a little bit right about the character moment with Guts in the second one, but I personally don't think it's quite enough. Something stronger, I think, would have been better. And the first chapter, I really feel, is just like, look at how badass this guy is. He got gun hands. No, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from with the first chapter, and I can see where what you're talking about for the second chapter. I think part of it is backloading for me, because I know what like the whole background for Guts is as a character. Yep. But yeah, this third chapter... I actually really like the third chapter, too, but I really like this comic, so... Yeah, so the third chapter, the part of it that really sells it to me, I've talked about how good the art is, but for the most part, what I'm talking about is splash panels and specific gags, but there's actually some really good storytelling art in this chapter, because it starts out with someone being beheaded, and, like, Guts grabs their head, the guards are like, hey, give that back, and he throws it at the guy who catches it and crushes it, and just the way the panels are arranged really sells the motion of it all. Yeah, and it's actually very well done. Yeah, you can see this huge dude whose hands are so big he can palm the head, and you see him just slowly crush it. And there's very little in the way of actual like character to character dialogue. Like I don't think Guts says anything. No, I think he just literally sequence. throws the head at the dude and then like walks off. Well, he runs off because he's yeah. chased by guards. But <laughs> it also has probably the best fight in here, which is he's fighting a dude with a big warhammer. And uh, he unleashes his heap of raw iron. And the guy's like, ha, a big weapon is nothing if you don't know how to wield it. And Guts, like, smacks the dude's warhammer into his face, crushing the face mask. And he's like, I agree. And then he kicks him in the face. Yeah, but Guts also, he dodges some of the first few attacks, like, almost like he's not taking this seriously. And he, oh, I'm getting backed into a corner. Oh, no. But then when the guy goes to slam the warhammer, he hits the wall. And that's when Guts... Bends the Warhammer in half, taking off the faceplate of the dude. So anyway, at some point, Guts has to retreat, or at least Puck convinces him he does. Well, it's not even that he... Puck doesn't really convince Guts to retreat. It's that there's just... People keep coming. It's like you run into an infinitely spawning bad guys. It's like playing Gauntlet way back when. It's like, and it's not like the DM the is like, spawner. God damn it. You attack every town you come across. No, these t- guards. Guards forever. Uh, yep. And then some random dude throws smoke bombs. That's yeah. what convinces Guts to retreat, is smoke bombs. And then they run down the sewer with this random new dude and come across this weird lab. And he goes up, talks about how a bunch of people are being executed for treason, basically. Heresy. And witchcraft and heresy. Because this is a... Basically, this is medieval Europe after the Hundred Years' War. Yeah. Because, actually, the thing is, this is very set very shortly after a Hundred Years' War. Yeah, and it's also very European, especially for a manga. I kind of talked about the art style, but also the story style kind of has that going for it. And the setting. So anyway, Puck's like, yeah, all this weird stuff you have, it would be very hard to deny accusations of that. But Guts decides to be an asshole to him and just kind of kicks him down. He's like, hey, I'm the one interrogating you. I thought the guy fell over. No, Guts trips him. Is it? Okay. Well, Guts knocks the dude's cane away, and that's why he falls over. Okay. I thought it was like the guy fell over because he was, like, weak. No, Guts kicks his cane away, so okay. kind of. Like, yeah. he, he needs the cane to stay standing because he doesn't have any feet. Yeah. So anyway, Guts is going through the stuff, and he finds a behelet. You guys yes. have a better uh, pronunciation? A bailet. Bailet? I think that's how it was pronounced. In the spelled anime, yeah. really funny. Yeah, it's spelled like behelet, but I think it's bailet. I can believe that H is silence. So that's kind of where it ends, is on the mystery of, hey, what's this? And if the... Captain Haim having part one in it didn't give it away already. That's a pretty clear indication that this story goes on. But that's where the volume ends. The Baylet is also a weird egg thing with a nose, a mouth, and an eye. And they're not 
arranged in a face. Yes. There's like, yeah, there. it's there's a nose, a mouth, and an eye on this egg thingy. And, yeah, it's it's very creepy looking. We also get the small backstory into the kind of old guy. I, I'm guessing he's old. I don't know. The guy who saved oh, yeah. um, Guts, who the lord that Guts threw the head at had eaten part of this guy's face. Yep. Lots of cannibalism. And his nose and I think his ears. And he's a du- he was a duck. A bunch of a yes. bunch of the flesh on his like his face as well. He's like he ate he was like cutting strips of flesh off me and eating them in front of me. Yeah. Creepy. Yep. Disgusting. Violent. Yeah, so that's Berserk. And I definitely that third chapter made me go, Oh, hey, I wonder what happens next. And it does feel like they're hinting at depth at guts, but for the most part I just got the oh, this is so mature feeling from it of you know yep. when I was thirteen and first heard about this anime. That's exactly, like, who it was aimed at. It was 13-year-old me. It feels like when you were young and people were like, oh, in Japan, anime is so much more violent. There's so much more sex stuff. It feels like Berserk is exactly what they were talking about, and whereas most of the anime I found was actually not that more violent. It just had a little more blood. You are the one that told me about Berserk. I believe it. Because I was looking for stuff on Netflix back when they actually sent you DVDs. Yep. And Jeremy was like, you should check out this Berserk thing. I think you would really enjoy it. I've not seen it, but you'd probably like it. Like, I can pick them. Yeah. So, well, I am curious where this is going. I didn't love this issue. I liked it more than Dragon Ball, which is saying something. But yeah. what are you guys feeling? Because you're both much more familiar with the material as a whole. I mean, I can definitely see where you're coming from. I liked the second chapter because of, like I said, I know the background, what they're hinting at. And so I can see a lot more of what he's doing. I think it's a particularly good character chapter. I wish we'd gotten a little bit more because it's the first time Guts has interacted with people significantly. I think he might be selling it a little bit short on that on that front. The first chapter very much is just look how cool this character is and trying to sell issues based on that. But Which, that's a lot of Guts. Like, look how badass I am. And that's a lot of anime, to be frank. Like, the first chapter of Dragon Ball is like, hey, look at what a badass Goku is. The second chapter of One Piece more than the first is that for Luffy. And, yeah. And, you know, Guts is a very stoic character, so he doesn't have a lot of overt, like, blatant character, like, emotions and drives. We don't see a lot of that until he's actually fighting with somebody, like the Apostle, when he actually is giving him the lecture back. Yeah, but I think there was enough in this volume that even jumping onto it when it was first coming out, I would still continue reading. What's this God Hand? This Guts character is a badass, and, like... He's got this cool sword. The art is really good. So I would just continue reading this just to keep seeing what's happening. Why does he never seem to open his other eye? Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I can't take away is that the art is very good, except for when it's not, but when it is more than makes up for when it's not. Yeah. And even then, it's not like when it's not, it's bad. It's just you can, it's that kind of, I can see you at 100%, but you can't do that the whole time. That would be impossible. So clearly in some of these panels, you've dropped down to a, 60, maybe 70%. And since there's so much darkness in the manga already, he uses a lot of shadows to not draw something, which gives it a stylized feeling instead of a lazy feeling a lot of the times. Except for when, like, there's this one panel, like, Gut's cape is not that big, but it's holding up the entire panel here, so you don't have to draw anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But, I mean, a lot of things do that. Like, anime does that all the time. They'll have, for the big fight sequences, you'll have a whole lot more keyframes than during some of the other sequences, or... Oh yeah, going back through doing our Gundam podcast, I've noticed a lot of that. Gundam Seed is extra guilty of stock animation, though. 
But yeah, it's got a lot of stills and stuff too. Yeah, and then you'll have people reusing images. My favorite thing is when you're having a character talk, you put something in front of their mouth so that you don't have, you literally just have a still oh, frame. I that every time. Yeah, you have a still frame that the character is speaking out of, like they're holding a newspaper, they've got like a coffee mug next to their mouth, so that there's no motion. So you're literally, you can have, I've seen where it's almost like 30 seconds of a still shot, where it's literally just the guy holding a newspaper giving exposition. Money saving. Yeah. All right, anything else you guys want to say about Berserk? I really like Berserk. I think it's worth checking out. It's a little bit more expensive than most volumes, though, because this excuse me, this one runs about $15 in shop, and most of the Berserk volumes are probably going to be in plastic, or at least everywhere that I saw them were, just yeah. as a heads up so you can't flip through them like, in store. That's a DC Comics thing. Any of their mature books they put in shrink wrap, and Dark Horse is owned by DC Comics. So. I mean, it makes some sense, because you wouldn't want, honestly, I wouldn't want like a 10-year-old flipping through this, because yep. that's a little bit on the violent side, or even worse, like an 8-year-old or something. The digital version of this was actually cheaper than normal. The digital version, I think, was only like 4 or 5 bucks, as opposed to like 7 or 8. I think it was on sale. It might have been on sale when I bought it, but even still, like at the very least, the digital version was not more than any of the regular like any of the other digital versions with that said let's move on to our last segment personality power level Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from the ones we like the most to the ones we like the least at the very top we have izuki midoriya from my hero academia at the bottom we have haruhi fujioka from oran high school host club and in the middle we have anise murphy from cypher and you guys are more familiar with Guts than I am, so I'm going to talk about where I would put him, and then Zach, you can argue him up, and Kevin, wherever you want to put him, that's sure. where he'll go. The character he reminded me most of reading this was actually Goku, because like I said earlier, both the first chapter of Dragon Ball and the first chapter of Berserk are all about making this guy seem super cool. I would lean a little bit towards putting Goku above him, mostly because of later stuff, like the Super Saiyan stuff later, and some of the very late stuff. But also, Guts has hints of being a deeper character, so I could also see putting him right above them. But like I said, I'll put him wherever Kevin thinks we should put him on the list. So, I personally think Guts is actually a better character than Goku, because while Goku does... I mean, I'm not super familiar with Goku from Dragon Ball. I also get the feeling he doesn't change a huge deal from Dragon Ball. No, Not developing much is Goku's biggest weakness um, as a character. But... I mean, if you want me to go from, if you're doing that, then going forward with Guts, like, he, when we actually do go back and actually see where and how he ended up the way he is, there's a lot of, like, character growth, and one of the bigger differences with Guts as opposed to, like, Goku is that Goku's at the beginning of his story, and he doesn't really change much. Right here, we're actually kind of starting in the middle of Guts' story. We haven't gone back and seen, you know, what made him the way he is just yet. So I think that's a a big thing to it. And like you said, there's hints that there's a lot more depth to Guts than we've seen so far. Yeah, and I feel the same way because I know more about Guts as well. There's a lot of character growth, not only when they jump back in time and actually show you why Guts is the way he is now, but there also is some character growth during the rest of the story where he becomes less of a stoic asshole. When he acquires Guts's traveling party, which is actually, if you look at the wiki, that's like the faction name. <laughs> nice. So where do you think he goes, Kevin? Above or below Monkey D. Luffy? Because I feel like that's... 
I feel like Luffy's a weird wall in that I feel like there's plenty of room above Luffy and plenty of room also directly below Luffy on our current list. I'm not yep. a fan of Luffy because I'm not a fan of One Piece. I'm the one outlier among like all of my friends that I'm not a fan of One Piece. I just feel like Luffy's very similar to Goku, but that's like an outsider looking in. Yeah, Luffy, we actually initially put the two of them right next to one another because they were so close, and then we immediately started shoving characters in between them. I don't know, that's a hard one. I'd like to argue Guts above Luffy, but I can't with a good conscience because I don't have enough context for Luffy to really make a solid argument. I know a lot, I know about Guts, I don't know enough about Luffy. Alright, how close would you want to put Guts to Izuku then? I was actually seriously having difficulty deciding whether or not I... Because Guts is one of my favorite characters, just in general. Because yep. of all the things I know about him. And it's difficult for me because they they operate in such different worlds. I think Izuku might be a bit better of a, of a fully fleshed character, like, going into things. Like, from chapter one. Yeah. But that's also because, again, we're starting Guts at the end. Or, not the end of his story, but the middle of his story. So, a lot of character growth has already happened for him. So, there's a lot more development going into it i think i'd probably put guts below izuku actually having gone through and done a little bit of you know soul searching and analysis on that on my end okay and i would argue pretty hard to put in below isagi as well yeah i was just you relating him opinion? i wanted zach's opinion on a character that he actually knew even yeah. though it was jumping from like the middle of the list to the top of the list that makes sense to me too I, um, i'm just putting in my i am yeah. somewhat familiar with usagi too just saying. yeah that's true you did watch sailor moon crystal that like, was weird. Does Guts' kid from the future ever come and point a gun at him and demand the legendary silver crystal? Almost. I was going to say, it doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> Terminator was very influential. Uh, but it doesn't seem likely. Well, I could... let's Let's just say you've already met him. <laughs> okay. Yes. Although we haven't met the most metal character ever. Skull um, Knight. I think I'm going to give, and this is just a matter of personal preference, I think I'm going to give it to Luffy because Guts is more of a tragic hero. And so a lot of his character stuff is from that tragedy perspective. So it's not that I don't like his character. Just like Zach, I actually really like Guts as a character. I also really like Luffy. And Luffy is a lot more upbeat. Guts is very most definitely a tragic character. Yeah, and so that's why I think I'd put him below on the list just because... It's not that I don't enjoy tragedies. It just, it's a bit of a downer, so. That's kind of the point. Yeah. yeah. I, I always enjoy reading a, an upbeat story and having him end on a high note. But. Yep. I assume you would argue him above K. Saranuma after one volume of Kiss Him, Not Me, though? Yeah. Because she hasn't really developed at all? Yeah. He. So, if it was one volume of Guts versus one volume of K, I actually like K more. But because I know more about Guts, like, I know a lot of his... I know most of his backstory, a lot of his character motivation, and it makes what he's doing right now make a whole lot more sense. I like Guts more than K. So does Guts have a last name, or is that a spoiler? Uh, Guts... I don't think he does have a last it's name. It's never been presented that he has a last name. Okay, so Guts will go above K. Saranuma and below Monkey D. Luffy at number four on the list. Yeah, the lack of a last name is because this is kind of like the Middle Ages, so... I mean, it makes sense. I was just wondering. And yeah. he was an orphan, so... I figured the answer was probably no, or it was going to be weirdly plot-relevant. Yeah. I, I mean, haven't read all of Berserk, so I don't... It's also not all out yet. Yeah. I mean, you could easily call Guts just Guts the Black Swordsman, because that's what everybody else calls him. I yep. do have AKAs on my list, but Kevin doesn't use them because he never sees my list, so... <laughs> 
Speaking of that list, though, you can see it at www.lastpodcast.com. That's also where you can leave comments if you have anything you'd like to say. If you're a big fan of Berserk, if you have manga you'd like to recommend, there's also a link to our Discord there where you can talk to us. And if I remember to do it, there's Panel of the Week there, which I have not in a month. I, I picked them one- out for Cypher and Sailor Moon and just didn't put them up. I was wondering about you that. You can post them now, I guess. I could. I have no idea what I do for Kiss Him, Not Me, and I really have no idea. Actually, I do. I do the one where she kicks the soccer ball away from herself and it goes back into the goal. Okay, there you go. very good. I have no idea what I'd do for Orin High School Host Club. Hearing you guys talk about that Kiss Him, Not Me made me kind of want to go check out the anime because I couldn't be asked to go find the manga. The volume's decently easy to find. I find all my stuff digital, so it's really easy to find that. But like I said, when I had heard about it from the anime side, not the manga side. You can also find Zach and I's other two podcasts there. Last time on video games, where we just talked about Bonk's Revenge, a weird platformer. That was weird. As well as It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast. If you like the podcast, please rate or review us on your favorite podcasting app. Apple Podcasts, which is called iTunes in my notes, but is Apple Podcasts. Is it really? Yeah, they changed it about a year ago. I Uh, still think of it as iTunes. Yeah, everybody does. That's why I and everyone else gets it wrong. Or, hey, Jake and Josh now call it Snapple Podcasts, because they can remember that. Nice. (laughs) But they just started out making up podcast sites, like Pod Daddy, Pod Bay, where you can only rate your favorite podcast. Yeah, so I'm stealing their jokes now. Thanks, guys. Or just tell a friend. That would really help us out. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our cover art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you want to plug today, Kevin? How about you, Zach? Anything you want to plug? I can't think or of Or did anything. I hit everything already? Pretty much, yeah, because the only thing I would mention was the Discord. But All right, then. We will see you next week when we are going to be reading... Parasite by Hitoshi Iwaki. So we'll see you next week. Why is no one are the author anywhere?